You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Eagle Energy, a quick, simple, and energy boost on the go. Try the plant-based caffeine inhaler at Eagle Energy, Eagle.Energy, and use promo code GATERS20 for 20% off. And also brought to you by MyBookie. Go bet with MyBookie. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code GATERS. And they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Bet with MyBookie. GATERS Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SDC, and kind of a little bit different on this Sunday, Will Miles joins me for this Florida Georgia Reaction episode, and you can find his work at readandreaction.com and on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. Well, I think we know it's pretty simple explanation for why Florida lost. You picked Florida in your article last week, and Florida wore the white helmet. So it was just all doom and gloom there, right? <laughs> well, people have certainly uh, <laughs> certainly let me know on Twitter that I, I apparently have to pick against them the rest of the year, and and I'm willing to make the sacrifice if that's what it takes to go to go uh, ten and two for the for the year. But uh, you know, hey, this was always a possibility coming in. We knew Georgia was a good team, and uh, you know, it was, it was sort of interesting with the. Uh, you know, with the all tell and, and the stadium seemed empty at the start. It was sort of a weird environment to start the game. But, uh, but anyway, I mean, you know, Florida had it in their hands. They were up 14, 13, um, you know, after that first drive of the second half and from there, Georgia took over and um, there are reasons for that, but, uh, but, you know, they had their shot and just didn't get it done. Yeah. Okay. I'm not serious about the whole uh, will picking Florida and the white helmet thing. No, I'm not people, people who know me enough. Those uh, I could care less what uniform they wear. Just go for it. <laughs> Hey, yeah. I like I like the white helmets. Not it Everybody knows that. Uh, yeah, well, you know, game Gators fell behind quickly, ten nothing. Uh, had some early turnovers, weathered that storm, as you mentioned, took the lead right after halftime, fourteen thirteen. Uh, but eventually, Georgia's just too much. You know, when it came down to it in the second half, Georgia couldn't make the plays, and Florida couldn't. Yeah, well, I mean, Georgia had the quarterback who, yeah. who who could make the plays. I mean, those throws that Fromm were, was making, I mean, they, it didn't look like those were throws he was confident enough to make in the first half, at least not until that last drive of the first half. And then in the second half, he just came out chucking all over the place, and, and Florida didn't have an answer. I, I think they found something when they started going to Nauta there on that last drive of the first half, and and, you know, you sort of felt it when they were driving down the field there and, and Florida gave them the shot with what, like 50, 55 seconds left yeah. and, and gave them that shot. They were to go down the field, you know, able to stop them with a field goal, which was 
pretty impressive, actually, considering the way they moved the ball in the second half when you think about it. But uh, but I think that was sort of where Fromm found his sea legs and was able to realize that Florida wasn't going to get to him and that he was going to have time and then he was going to be able to wait for his guys to come open and that he was going to be able to isolate some of those guys in the secondary who um, would not have been starting first game of the year. And, uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. That's right. We'll get to all that. We'll just have a nice little summary there, and we'll get all into that here on this reaction episode the day after Georgia defeats Florida 37 to, uh, man, I forgot the score there. <laughs> 36, buddy. 36, yeah. 36, 17. There. There, I got my numbers mixed up. So, but remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, find us on Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, all those iTunes as well, all those services there, and uh, you can listen to uh, Gators Breakdown on all those platforms and also find us on social media on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Will, you mention it. And uh, I think the plan that Georgia planned to use was obvious on that first drive where you you saw they ran for 61 yards on that first drive but settled for a field goal. Something happened on that drive as well when C.J. Henderson uh, went down and it really affected what this Gator defense wanted to do for the most part of the game. Uh, McWilliams, C.J. McWilliams was targeted all day afterwards. Uh, the defensive front couldn't get pressure. Uh, and Jake Fromm made you know made plays on plenty of third down passing situations where he has struggled all season so far. In the first seven games, um, it was uh, he was really Fromm who couldn't uh, couldn't really find his way before this Florida game. Forty nine percent on third down, uh, six point one yards per attempt, two touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. But versus Florida, he was eighty six percent, fourteen yards per attempt. Three touchdowns. So the first touchdown pass was a third and 13. The second was a third and two. The third touchdown pass was a third and nine. So the Gators had from and Georgia where they wanted him many times in this game, but with a lack of pressure, no Henderson, no Brad Stewart, no Brian Edwards out there who hasn't played the last couple of games. From was able to pick apart as far as secondary. And, you know, while there were a few, few issues in this game, uh, the secondary was the biggest issue for me. Yeah, I mean it's all it's all intertwined, right? I mean the inability to get pressure means that your inexperienced defensive backs and uh, you know less talented defensive backs are going to get exposed because Fromm doesn't have to get rid of the ball quickly. I mean the touchdown throw to I think it was Godwin in front of Steiner. I mean you know it's one on one your safety against a, a really high level wide receiver. The wide receiver should win that battle. The only way that defense works is if you get to the quarterback. They didn't get to the quarterback, and it was an easy touchdown. And I think therein lies, you know, the the, the announcers in the game were making a really big deal about uh, about Zuniga coming around the edge on some of those rushing rushing plays, particularly on the goal line stand. Yeah. And that was really really impressive. But beyond that, he and Polite's name were not mentioned very much at all. They were not getting the quarterback. Only one sack, only two quarterback hurries. The sack came from Fojan Joseph coming on a blitz right up the middle on that first drive that sort of forced him into the into the field goal. They tried that blitz in that gap a couple other times, and it got absolutely stoned. And when it did, then there was a guy open on the outside. So 
you know, I mean, Grantham was in sort of a tough situation because if you blitz, you leave your guys out on an island and they weren't necessarily winning those battles. But if you don't blitz and you don't get the from, they weren't closing any of the holes in the zone either. And so, you know, I, there were a couple of those third down conversions where Florida had three man rushes. There was one in particular, I think it was a pass in front of Sean Davis that, uh, that the wide receiver was open and that, that zone has to close quicker than that. It just does. Um, Florida had a three man rush. You've got eight guys dropping. You, you can't let a guy get wide open like that. He was wide open. It was an easy first down. So, um, you know, there were, there were issues in the secondary. Sure. But there were issues up front too. I mean, LSU had no problem getting to the quarterback when they were playing them. In fact, played some of those same coverages where they had three guys rushing and dropped eight, but the three men were able to get to from that didn't happen yesterday. And then, and then, you know, LSU also got there on some blitzes, some unique blitzes, made him get the ball out quickly, all sorts of things like that. I don't ever remember a guy being in his face when Fromm was throwing the ball. I just the only the only play I remember where he ever got bothered was the uh, was the play by Joseph on the first drive. Other than that, he just sat back there and didn't get harassed at all. And you know, you can blame the defensive backs for giving up a lot of a lot of yards through the air. And I think there are places where you can pick them out and say, yeah, that's their fault. But I mean, at the end of the day, when you get no pressure, you're going to get lit up. That's just the way it is. Yeah, we, we've known that's what this defense has lived off of this year is that pressure they've been able to bring mostly from Polite and, and, and Zuniga and then randomly, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or one of the corners or Rashawn Joseph, like you mentioned. And, you know, look, when we went back with Will during the bye week and uh, you know, we, we talked about where we wanted to see this team improved and uh, I said that second corner spot. Well, that second spot became the first spot. And then we saw – we never really saw the lack of depth there and uh, the lack of depth, the lack of pressure up front was was just not a good combo, Will, as, as we saw uh, Ja'Kai Polite's streak of five games in a row with a sack come to an end, uh, you know, at the worst time it could have. Uh, the Gators' defense was really off balance most of the day uh, from what I could gather, too, there. Uh, they, they didn't bring blitzes a lot, but when they did, as you mentioned, it was stonewalled. Uh, Georgia did a good job of adjusting to it, and uh, they just did a good job of protecting from all day, made him comfortable. Uh, as you said, it did take a while. I mean, it did seem like at the fir- after the first uh, or right going into halftime, and th- luckily, too, you know, it, it didn't matter in the end, but Kirby was pretty pretty conservative there. They had one – I thought I had one time. I thought they had enough time left to, to hit one more play there, uh, but set up for a field goal after the timeout. But, uh, you know, kept Florida in the game uh, with that conservative call in there, but it was really uh, – you know, they were probably waiting to see what they could get on that first play uh, and with not a wide open and, and getting a whole lot of yards, uh, just no pressure, uh, uncovered tight end, and they just marched right down the field. And uh, like you said, that probably was a little spark and a probably a little bit of uh, them noticing something that they could take advantage of throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you when you look at who actually was responsible when you go back and look at the tape for who's responsible for the broken plays, I mean, I know people are going to talk about Henderson and I'm sure that changed the way that Grantham called the game, but it was guys who'd been in there all along. The only guy who got burned for one explosive play was McWilliams got burned for a 22 yard pass to Riley Ridley, but that was basically after the game was over. I mean, that was on the last drive of the game or the last touchdown drive of the game for, for Georgia at that point, it's already 29 to 17 The game pretty much felt over, even if they had just sat on the ball. Um, but Voshan Joseph was responsible for three of them, so he missed a tackle on a run by Swift. He completely blew the coverage on that one to Nauta. That, that was man-to-man, and I'm pretty sure that was Joseph's man. 
And then there was another pass to, to Nada over the middle, and that was just a really nice throw by Fromm where, uh, you know, Joseph was the underneath linebacker and couldn't quite get up to tip the ball, and it was a really nice throw. But, you know, so Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was was involved in two of those, and then Steiner was involved in a couple as well. So those are guys who've been out on the field all year. Um, you know, you can you can make some comments about Marco Wilson, but he's been gone for you know, six mm-hmm. games now. You can make some comments about, uh, about Quincy Lenton, but he's been gone all year. I mean, the reality is, is the guys who were – the guys who were making mistakes yesterday were not just the guys who were new to the defense or new to the starters. It wasn't Trey Dean. It wasn't McWilliams for the most part. I mean, there were a couple of places where he got targeted, but you know, you get one-on-one coverage. Sometimes the corner gets beat. I mean, that's just the reality. Um, he made a very nice play at the end of the first half to knock down a ball that would have been a touchdown. Um, the touchdown in the first half that went over his head, I don't think was his fault. I think that was the safety's fault. Um, the safety sort of has back, has deep responsibilities on that sort of coverage and didn't get deep enough. It's like, you know, if the corner thinks he's got help and lets the wide receiver go, well, you know, it's not really the corner's fault. The only thing you can maybe say there is if you're going to have help deep or if you think you're going to have help deep and you've got underneath, you should get up there and jam him. But, uh, you know, again, so he played off for a lot of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so again, though, I mean, it's, they also put him on an Island quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, if you're, if you've got an option, if you've got a guy you really think is the weak link, don't you shade a safety over? Like, don't, don't, don't you give him help? And it didn't feel like there were, it felt like there were a lot of times where they just decided they weren't going to give him help. He's out there on one-on-one coverage and you know, he's, he's young and he, and he's quite honestly, at least from the recruiting rankings, not as talented as some of the other guys, particularly the guys that Georgia had on their side. So, um, but McWilliams isn't the reason that Florida lost. He's just not. And I don't even think the injury, injury to Henderson is the reason that they lost. I mean, you know, there are the pass to Werner to start the to start the second half for Georgia right after Florida takes the lead. You know, all of a sudden, Fromm hits a 35-yard pass to Charlie Warner, and that was a blown coverage by Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. He, he was coming up to tackle uh, a wide receiver on a little bubble screen. Wasn't his man. And then the tight end ran right by him. Now, Earlier in the game, Warner had come up and blocked Johnson to try to keep him from getting in there. So, you know, he was sort of, I think, waiting for the block to come, and it didn't. But by the time yeah. by the time he realized it, you know, he was streaking down the field. It was 35 yards later. So, um, you know, a lot of things that need to get fixed on yeah. both sides of the ball. Um, but that's what you would expect, right? I mean, there's a reason that 95% of the writers picked Georgia to win the SEC East to start the year. They're a very good team. Florida made some mistakes. They made them pay for it. Yep, Will. So 240 passing yards allowed, uh, matched the most Florida's given up uh, this season. Uh, it also gave up 240 yards against Colorado State as well. Also gave up 180 yards rushing for the fourth time in eight games uh, this season there. So, yeah, I mean, not only was it the passing game, it was also the run game. But uh, kind of, as I said, I, I mentioned, I, I think Georgia wanted. <laughs> I think from that first drive, we could tell they wanted to come in uh, and, and run the ball, but I think they started taking advantage of the secondary once the uh, numbers got kind of uh, dire there for, for Florida and the, and the depth just really couldn't keep up uh, there. But we also saw that Georgia run game toward the end of the game uh, really with Holyfield and Swift uh, end up being the backbreaker when it was all said and done. Sure. But I mean, again, Henderson went out on the first play or the yeah. first drive, right? So that entire first half until the last drive, um, still played well. Florida's defense was able to hold them in check. So, um, you know, is there depth? Are there depth issues? Absolutely. That's something you, me, and Bill have been harping on for a while now. <laughs> and nobody wanted to hear it during the offseason. And now they all want to hear it now that there's a loss during the season. I guess but what I was going to say there, you know, it's probably once, you, once they got to halftime and could kind of figure out who was going to be on the field for Florida, they knew there was probably advantage they could take advantage of. 
Sure, but that also then goes to what what's Florida going to do for their for their halftime adjustments? And I think that's a place where you can definitely criticize Florida's coaching staff is you know coming out of halftime they scored that touchdown and then there was nothing and they had no answers for George on the other side of the ball and so the adjustments that Georgia make made Florida did not have the answer to and and you know that that's that's not just on the players. Yeah, well, were you uh, were you surprised how Fromm came out and, and threw the ball like he did? You know, given. You really, you know, you nailed home an article about him going into this, uh, uh, looking back at what he had done in the first half of the season uh, and what we could look for uh, against uh, Florida defense. And uh, were you you kind of surprised the way he was just able to, to, I guess, in a way, flip a switch? Not really. I mean, in the article, I I mentioned that his highs were really high Mm -hmm. and his lows were about equal to what Franks had done <laughs> sort of the way it was sort of the way his season has gone. Then he had the one real low against LSU, obviously, but um, you know, he definitely has a higher top gear than, than Franks does. And so if that happened, Florida was going to struggle, but you know, it's not as if he came out lighting it up to start with. I mean, before yeah. that, before the final drive of the first half, he was three of five for 22 yards. I mean, they, they had clearly just decided they, I mean, it almost looked like they were afraid to put the ball in his hands. There were a few times where it was like third and five, third and six, where they were running the ball. Um, anytime it was third and one, you know, they were running like, they were running jet sweeps and all sorts of different stuff. It it was really interesting to see sort of the announcers were calling it cute, but it almost felt like they were afraid, like they couldn't run up the middle against Florida um, in those situations. And I'm not sure they thought they could protect him. Um, but then once they figured out they could protect him, um, then they sort of, op- the floodgates opened up and, you know, the other thing with Fromm is that against LSU, I mean, they threw all sorts of different looks at him. They had they had times where they had seven guys up in the box and they had four guys dropping. They had times where they had seven guys up in the box and all seven came. Um, there was a lot of variation in both the looks that they gave him and then also what they did off of those looks. They had a lot of stuff where the safeties were shifting post-snap. So one of the things that I highlighted is they would be sitting in what looked like a, a single high safety look, and then they would sprint to a place where the safeties were playing cover two. I didn't see any of that with Florida. I didn't see them manipulating the safeties. So basically if he saw his pre-snap read, that was where he went. And, you know, if, if, if you haven't tried to bait him into something, then, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna be able to be successful. Um, the one thing I thought he did well that I haven't seen on tape yet this year is particularly that that final drive of the first half, he went to his tight ends. And, you know, that's been a place where where Georgia has not gone consistently all year long, and they didn't last year either. Two years ago with, uh, with Jacob Easton, they went to the tight ends a lot. But last year and this year, they haven't done it, and they went to them a ton. So they went to Werner, they went to Nauta, and, and really those guys sort of turned the game around. You know, Werner was key to the touchdown to take back the lead, and Nauta was key to getting that field goal at the end of the half. And, and you know, Florida didn't really have an answer for either one. All right, well, let's move to the other side of the ball in this uh, Florida game. you have anything else in the defense before I go? Before? <laughs> nah, let's, get, right. let's get to the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Well, I don't know if it's fun. Well, when you said season low and passing yards with 105 and total yards with 275, uh, Florida entered the, the the Georgia game with 350 plus total yards in four consecutive games here. So, also six turnovers in the last two games for the Gators after he had only committed six in the first five games. Well, when you we uh, when you play a team that's going to be as good as Georgia is, you can't kill yourself. And while Florida did come back, they weathered the storm early. 
you have to kind of wonder if you hit that first flea flicker there and you don't turn the ball over. You maybe you could have built some kind of lead either to, you know, make Georgia fight back and, and it's still a really close game toward the end or, uh, you know, or you put Georgia in a hole and, they, and don't, and, and they don't react too well. But, uh, you know, these turnovers, especially the last two games when Florida was taking care of the ball so well in the first half of the season has really reared its head these last two games. Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously tied to Frank's. Yeah. I mean, Frank Frank's has been sort of a turnover machine, and and that continued that continued yesterday. Um, I think at one point he had what like fourteen or twelve touchdowns and two picks or something like that, and now yeah, he's up like around. That. Now he's at like fifteen and five or fifteen and six or something like that. So so certainly that's changed a little bit over the last few games. But you know, Florida only had two explosive plays. They had the thirty six yard pass to Swain for a touchdown, and then there was a twenty yard run for Franks on a field goal drive um, to bring to bring Florida within six. Beyond that. They didn't have anything else. And so, you know, they had, they averaged 3.9 yards per play without those explosive plays, which is interesting because Georgia also averaged 3.9 yards per play without their explosive plays. Problem is they had eight explosive plays for 208 yards. <laughs> that was my where, worry. That was my worry. Well, and that's where, that's where the, that's where the, uh, the difference in the game is, right? I mean, those explosive plays made it seem like Georgia was just flying up and down the field in the second half. And, and they were because they were getting them all in the second half. Um, seven of the eight came after, came from that last drive of the first half all the way to the end of the game. Um, you know, this is something that I mentioned and I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd thought more about it maybe before this game, but it is something that I mentioned after the Vanderbilt game, the Vanderbilt was basically daring Florida to, to take, 10, 12, 14 plays to drive down the field. And then Vanderbilt got impatient and they came up and they blitzed when Florida got into their territory. And that was when Florida hit the big plays. So the big run by Scarlett, a couple of, couple of throws by Franks, um, you know, the touchdowns came from explosive plays. Once Vanderbilt came up and stopped playing zone and stopped playing, um, stop playing more protective defense and Georgia just never really stopped doing that. They yeah, just they sat back. And let, yeah. They kept their safeties too high almost the entire night. Well, and they let them self-destruct, yep. right? So this is something that Franks is going to have to figure out. So he kind of figured it out on the touchdown pass to Swain, which was if you just let it rip as hard as you freaking can, <laughs> then the safety can't get over because that ball, I was like, Oh no. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny part is I, that's not the right read on the play. I don't think, I mean, the announcer's like, Oh, he looked him off. And I'm like, no, no I don't, yeah. I don't think that's <laughs> where that ball was supposed to go. Yeah, I saw it from the box. And I was like, Oh no, he <laughs> just got it over. So it was a good. Well, and, and, and he sort of lofted one on the, almost the exact same play call in the first in the first half and it should have been intercepted. It just got knocked down by Georgia's safety. Um, so this time he made sure it wasn't going to, wasn't going to get intercepted. And, and he sort of short armed one to moral Stevens, I guess earlier in the, uh, towards the end of the first half. And then this was his first real throw coming out in the second half. And it, it almost looked like Mullen had basically been like, let it rip or, or we're not going to let you let it rip anymore. <laughs> and, and he certainly did. Um, but you know, I, I, I do take a little bit of an issue. And I, I mentioned this, in the article that I wrote today that, that Mullen was really, really conservative in the second half. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't near as conservative in the first half. I mean, the first half he's, you know, the flea flicker on the first play and, and the fourth down and one where he's got the tight end sort of coming out against the linebacker. A lot of the things that we saw for Georgia's defense against LSU where the linebackers weren't very disciplined, where the safeties were jumping things. Um, we saw those in the first half. I mean, Van Jefferson got wide open because everybody came up on that running play to start the game and, and it was open. So, you know, now you're not, you're not gonna be able to come back to the exact same play, but 
the aggressiveness of the safeties are something that you can take advantage of. And it wasn't anything they ever did. I, I was really surprised they didn't try to run a reverse with Tony. Mm-hmm. They've been running that a lot over the last three or four games. They didn't do that. They brought in Emory Jones um, to basically run the Tony package, which was interesting. Um, the swing you know, passes really, weren't really there this game. Well, mm-hmm. and and I mean, they're not going to be there when the defense is just playing mm-hmm. zone, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they'll be there for four or five yards. They're not going to yeah. be there for if you don't get one on one, it's not going to do you any good throwing it out there. I mean, you know, maybe you get three or four yards, yeah. but you're, I mean. There were a lot of times where they ran against fronts that were loaded. There were no, not necessarily loaded, but it was even, um, including the the backbreaking fumble of Frank's coming out of the end zone. I mean, that was a seven on seven, and Frank's isn't a good enough runner to have one on one matchups up front and be running him out of the end zone. I, right. And and again, it's not a matter of thinking it's a terrible play call or oh, you're blaming somebody else for the fumble. No, he has to hold on to the ball. Yeah. The problem that I have is that best case scenario you come out of that second and seven yeah and then you got to throw the ball anyway and you clearly don't want to throw the ball with him when you get him in when you get him in second and third and long i mean that was pretty clear in the second half and so if that's the case then you have to be more aggressive on running downs and and he just wasn't the one that really got me was the third and eight when they were sitting there ready for a 48 yard field goal and they handed the ball off to p ryan so that they could have a 43 yard field goal and it's like uh like if you if you run the ball with P Ryan, then you have to be going for it on fourth down. Yeah. And if you're not going to go for it on fourth down, then you have to throw the ball on third and eight. And if you don't have enough confidence in your quarterback to throw it on third and eight when you're in enemy territory, then he shouldn't be your quarterback. I mean, that's sort of the way you know. And you know, maybe we're moving towards that, but um, you can't have somebody out there who you can't let it rip on third and eight when you're in the opposition's territory, down nine points. Like you have to try to get a first down there. And the fact that they just handed the ball off the P run and were happy with the field goal. And, you know, two plays later, Georgia was back in field goal range. And it was like, well, even if they kick the field goal, they'll still be down nine again. And two scores felt like a lot at that point. And then they hit Godwin for the touchdown and, and the route was on. Yeah. As you say, Will, I mean, of course, I think we can all, most of it can be pointed to Frank's here. Uh, worst performance of the season, 13 to 21, 105 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And the one interception was terrible too. He had P run open in the flat. Uh, I guess he didn't see the DB because it was well short of the receiver as well. Uh, that interception led to a Georgia score. Also, the fumble you mentioned inside the one-yard line. That you know, kudos to the defense for that 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 defensive stand. It only kept it a field goal there, but uh, still uh, the the worst imaginable play, imaginable place that you can uh, have a turnover there. And the, the run game was there early uh, for for the most part in that first half. Uh, and it was, but either way, it was still going to have to be a game where Franks was going to have to play well when you're playing a team uh, like Georgia. And he even said after the game, uh, you know, last year he would get defensive in the situation, but even he admitted that he's, he's got to be better. Uh, he was looking at the numbers. He says the numbers are right here. It's not good enough to win a big game like this. And Will, so you know, so while the game was still in reach in the fourth quarter, it was it was Georgia scoring 13 points in the final quarter, while Florida only scored three. Uh, it was just uh, a game. You know, the, the Gators didn't really execute uh, in the second half. Mullen called that great, you know, called great uh, plays in the first half, I and mean, right after halftime as well to, to to take the lead. Not much after that. Uh, Florida only had 55 yards in the fourth quarter uh, when needing to respond. Uh, when Georgia went up by 12 around the eight minute mark. Uh, Gators went three and out, and then Georgia uh, put on another touchdown to to put the game away. Uh, and as ugly as it was, the, the Gators still had chances uh, in, in the second half and, and kind of midway through the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that he needed to be fantastic. He just needed no, to, no, no. Yeah, he yeah. needed to not be awful. Yeah, and and the reality is, if you take away that thirty-six yard throw, he was twelve of twenty for sixty-nine yards. So he averaged three and a half yards per attempt, <laughs> and that means it's looking a lot like last year's game. Well, which maybe I should take back some of my criticism then for <laughs> for, for Mullen because they were averaging more more through the rushing than they were. Uh, so I think they averaged yeah four point six for the game on the ground, and certainly they were going to have some success on the ground because Georgia was yeah. playing back in coverage and 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 all those sorts of things. But I mean, if, yeah, at the end of the day, it's not good enough. Franks knows it's not good enough. Mullen knows it's not good enough. Um, you know, I, I'm just somebody who, when you're the underdog, go down, you know, go down chucking. I know you and I, because you were in the press box, we were able to text a lot during the game. And, you know, after the after the field goal, which I, I didn't like the lack of aggressiveness there, after the field goal, they got the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Georgia and had the ball at the 50 to kick off. And they kicked that little pooch, which isn't a bad play last year when you couldn't fair catch the ball. Yeah. But this year, when you can fair catch the ball, it was just a waste. Like, you may as well try an onside kick there. Worst case scenario, Georgia gets the ball at the 40. You're not stopping them anyway. So, yeah. so, so what does it matter? And, and you get, you know, you, you get a shot to get the ball back without necessarily with losing 15 yards of field position. To me, it seems like a great opportunity to do that. And he just didn't take that. He didn't take an aggressive tack there either. Um, and, you know, if, if your quarterback is struggling the way Franks was, it, it was interesting. It felt like, um, it was weird because he threw the touchdown to start the second half and then he had the fumble in the end zone and it felt very reminiscent of last year against Texas A&M where he threw a touchdown or he threw an interception and double coverage um, sort of rolling out to his right. There was a guy streaking who was wide open on his left, which I still contend he shouldn't, he, he shouldn't be throwing the ball across his body like that. But anyway, launches the ball into the end zone ball gets intercepted. Um, you know, he's getting killed by McElwain on the sideline and then, and then just went into a shell. The rest of the game was looked hesitant to throw the ball. The rest of that game, it kind of had that feel after the fumble in the end zone where it was just like, all right, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, rather than let it rip. And, you know, if I screw up, we'll lose by three touchdowns instead of two. Um, you know, they, they needed somebody who was going to come in and let it rip, and that just didn't happen. All right, well, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of our listeners out there sent their tweets in to, to get their reaction uh, there, but uh, of course, before we do that, uh, you know, I was it, 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 at least the tailgating was fun at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Well, I got there at 7 45 in the morning, and I really needed that boost to get the day going, and I wanted it fast, so I got it going with Eagle Energy. And of course, uh, I wanted to be focused when the game was going on, and Eagle Energy had me focused and ready to go. Eagle Energy is a plant based caffeine inhaler that provides an effective and fast acting energy boost via inhalation. I don't have time to wait on energy drinks to work, so. That's why I go with Eagle Energy. Eagle Energy has no sugar, no calories, and the effects only take a few minutes with no jitterness or that sudden crash. So on these busy game days or in your busy life, give Eagle Eagle Energy a try. Visit eagle.energy to learn more or to try Eagle Energy. Use promo code GATERS20 and get 20% off your order. That's eagle.energy to try a natural, longer-lasting caffeine solution. Eagle Energy, energy reformed. And guys, of course, we know watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on these games. So, guys, you heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still waiting to go bet with my bookie. So, whether you're an expert or a rookie, that's where you should be betting at my bookie. There's so much to bet on right now. We still have the World Series going on. 
basketball, hockey, and a huge UFC fight this weekend between Cormier and Lewis. I recommend my bookie because I really trust them. My bookie has been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. And backed by popular demand, my bookie is still going to offer the 100% bonus for one more week this year. That's right. Have you been thinking about placing that pick all season but haven't done it yet? Well, now is your time to make that move. Also, make sure to follow my bookie at BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention they've given away nearly $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. So log on to MyBookie right now. Don't miss out on your last opportunity to collect the industry's biggest bonus. Use promo code GATERS and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code Gators. You play, you win, you get paid at my bookie. Well, before we get into uh, what our listeners thought of and their their reaction, um, not to start a quarterback controversy or anything (laughs) or or the debate, but what did you think of uh, Emory Jones going in there? Kind of a surprise with Dan Mullen, Emory Jones getting us some playing time, mostly runs. Of course, he had the fake run and and a deep pass down to Van Jefferson that that drew some uh, pass interference call. Uh, from Georgia, but uh, not necessarily uh, something maybe, you know, we, we didn't necessarily expect. Uh, I did see during the week a couple message boards out there that uh, th- that this could happen. Uh, but it was uh, when all the talk was Justin Fields getting some playing time, Jake Fromm got every snap for Georgia, but Emory Jones was inserted to, to, you know, maybe insert some kind of spark or, or just some creativity in this Florida offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. I, I didn't think it was, you know, I didn't think it was like a fantastic cameo or anything. I mean, there was the there was the play at the end of the half where he, you know, if, if that pitch comes out a little bit earlier, then it looked like Scarlett had quite a quite a ways to run. Um, so, you know, they didn't execute that one real well. He had a few nice runs of seven, eight yards, things like that. But he doesn't look like a guy who's going to be breaking um, – yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the defense that he's playing against. He he looks like he's got skills like Fitzgerald, maybe a little bit faster, maybe a little bit smaller. But, uh, you know, the deep throw was nice. Um, you know, put it right on the guy's hands, and the pass interference was called. I mean, I, I don't think you can tell a whole lot by seeing a guy play eight, nine, ten plays. The one thing I think is interesting is there there's an opportunity cost when you bring in when you bring in Emory Jones and give that package to him because it takes it away from Kadarius Tony mm-hmm. and and Tony has been far more explosive on the ground this year than he has been um, catching the ball. And so they did get it to Tony three or four times where he got receptions, but there was one where he's like falling out of bounds. They threw him a couple of bubble screens. And then on the fourth down play, they threw the ball behind him um, where they targeted him on, on the last play of the game, at least for Florida's offense. You know, Tony's got touchable eight, nine, ten times a game in order to be effective. And by giving Jones those runs, you took it away from Tony. So the question is, do you think that Jones has the ability to break one long better than Tony? I I don't know. I I haven't seen enough of him to know that. Um, What I would have liked to have seen, especially since there seemed to be a lack of trust with Franks, is that they run both packages. Yeah. Bring in Tony, let him have two, three plays. Bring in Jones, let him have two, three plays. They both have the capability of throwing the ball if you want to. Um, so you can run some option plays 
Um, you know, even give them simple plays where you've got sort of a tight end who pretends to block and then drags across the formation, you know, where everything's moving to the right and then you throw back to the left. And they, there wasn't a whole lot of misdirection yesterday at all, which yeah. really surprised me because of how aggressive Georgia's linebackers have been on tape. When you looked at them against LSU, LSU was really able, just like simple pitch plays to the outside. I know Florida ran one pitch play to Pirine that went for 12 yards. It was the only pitch I can remember in the entire game. So yeah, it was man. a weird... Yeah, the one the one speed option I tweeted it. I said, "Oh, that that play's been money all year." Uh, I think they only ran it maybe one more time and it got stuffed. But yeah, you're right. I don't I don't remember seeing it a whole lot. Well, they were ready for the speed option. Yeah. They didn't. The linebackers for Georgia, especially when they had the right guy on the field, um, I believe it was number 44. I can't remember what his name is, but when he was on the field, he's not fast enough to get to the outside, or he has to come so fast that he overruns it, and P Ryan was able to was able to cut back. So. Um, I was surprised that they didn't try to get the ball outside a little bit more with the running game while having the wide receivers block as opposed to getting the ball outside um, to the receivers. And then, and then, you know, Georgia was able to, was able to stymie that. But, you know, I, I think, I think it's a little bit of the team wasn't executing real well. And so you get a little bit more conservative when you're concerned that they're not executing their core principles um, at the same time, like, you know, I'm somebody who would like to see people open it up because I think aggression is the way to go. I mean, I'd say the same thing about Kirby. I, I was going nuts just looking at him. I mean, I, I liked it as a Florida fan, but you know, the, the field goals that he was taking down the red zone. I mean, the one where Florida had the goal line, st- goal line stand. I mean, even if you get stopped there, you're still, you're still up six points. And you've got them pinned right where they were before. And, you know, maybe you get a pick from Franks or something stupid or, or again, something happens there as opposed to taking the field goal. Now, it, it turned out not to matter, but it could have mattered. And, you know, he was very, very conservative throughout the game. I don't really agree with that. And, and I thought Mullen sort of did the same thing. And I think it cost Florida in some capacity. Now, you still have to execute and they weren't really executing well enough to win. But, uh, but you know, that, that, that was sort of my thought. Pro- my thought process through the whole game was that they weren't aggressive enough. And then that sort of tied in with Emory Jones. Um, bringing him in is a relatively aggressive move, but not if you're just giving Tony's carries to him. I would have liked to have seen it both ways. All right, let's get uh, your thoughts out there. Uh, all the thoughts that you sent for this reaction episode here. Mike Honcho says, I thought Franks played like he was afraid to make mistakes. Threw the ball worse than he has all season. Looked tight the entire game. Unlike the rest of the games this year, Henderson going out uh, hurt, but was proud of the effort. Uh, goal line stand was unreal. And he wants to say, uh, to clarify, I'm not a blame Franks or bench Franks guy uh, right now. So, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I think a lot of this will is going to, you know, be pinpointing on Franks and, and the struggles on offense there, you know, rightfully so. Uh, for, you know, as big as the game as it was, your quarterback needed to play well uh, in this game. Uh, let's see. Uh, Scott Sweat says, disappointed, but a top 10 matchup in year one was more than any of us expected anyway. A bad a bad game for Coach to suspend a starter, but it shows what the standard is. Injuries and depth ultimately cost, but a 10-win season would be a huge success, but this game does sting a bit. Well, I guess it is kind of interesting. This game is going to sting for the players. Uh, there was the thought there, you know, uh, some of the players out there uh, thought, they, it was said they were too confident. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I think when you go back and look at it after a game, it's kind of a convenient excuse. <laughs> you know, there was, uh, I was told the, the team practiced well all week, uh, kind of ready for this game. I don't think, I, I don't think they were overconfident. You know, they can say they were, uh, I guess, you know, we'll take their word for it, but, uh, it's just, 
I guess, how do you rebound? How do you rebound from this game? You know, we'll see uh, if Henderson can come back when you have Missouri coming up. Uh, they're probably going to need him going against that passing attack. But it's all about uh, – uh, and, and it has been announced it will be a 4 o'clock game versus Missouri uh, on the SEC Network. So uh, no noon game. Uh, so it'll be a 4 o'clock kickoff versus Missouri. But it's all about how these Gators bounce back after this Georgia game. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to we need to take a step back in two capacities. One is remember how Fromm struggled against LSU two weeks ago, and the the chatter with Georgia was it needs to be Fields, it needs to be Fields, it needs to be Fields. Give him a shot. Fromm can't do it, and then Fromm comes out and plays lights out, right? So Nick Fitzgerald um, the same way and comes out and blows out Texas A and M. Yeah, Boy, I mean, so. So, you know, you don't ever want to judge a quarterback by his worst game or by one bad game. And everybody coming into this game was saying, hey, Franks has played pretty well this year. Mm -hmm. He's getting better. Every game he seems to have gotten better, seems to make better decisions. He took a step back against a really good defense. I don't think we want to sugarcoat it and say, hey, it was a great performance. But I think people calling for his benching are sort of taking last year in aggregate compared to, you know, looking at yesterday and saying, oh, this is the same stuff we saw last year. And in some capacity it is. But he's been a much better quarterback this year than he was last year, and I think we need to acknowledge that. Now, one thing I will say is that before the season started, I went and looked and said, okay, Mullen had Prescott in year one who struggled somewhat, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, a QB rating of 127. In year two, he increased to 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and a QB rating of 152. All right, so if you take those same percentages and apply it to Franks, from year one, he had nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. If he had the same percentage increase as Prescott, he'd get to 24 and 13, and his QB rating would be 137. Well, lo and behold, he's at 16 touchdowns, six interceptions, and his QB rating is 139. So he's exactly who we should expect him to be based on based on sort of Mullen's effect on quarterbacks. Um, now, the bad news is, is in year three, Prescott put up the exact same QB rating as he did in year two. So this may be his ceiling. And so the question is, is that ceiling good enough to keep other players off the field? You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But, you know, I, I, I hesitate to pile on on Franks for one bad game because we just saw people pile on Fromm for one bad game. Yeah. And then Fromm comes out and lights up a really good defense. I mean, Florida's been a really good defense all year, and he completely torched them. And so, you know, I, I, I think that what we're going to find is when they're playing against teams like Missouri who can't stop anyone, Franks is going to look a lot better. And it's not going to be because Franks all of a sudden turned into a different player. It's going to be because he's not playing against Florida's defense or against Georgia's defense. All right. Uh, let's see. Highway 20 Gator says, or HWY, maybe that stands for highway, but HWY 20 Gator. Uh, hard loss to accept. Our issues with our secondary may cost us again this weekend. Drew Locke has the ability to pick us apart. They will game plan against us off of what UGA was successful with in the passing game. My confidence is low. Uh, heavy metal Gator. Uh, it sucks, but the opportunity was there to win the game. I thought Mullen outcoached Kirby by a large margin. I just don't just don't have the roster yet where it needs to be. The Gators are on the right track for big things in the future. Go Gators. Well, well that was the thought, uh, and I th we'll probably see a few more here. Kind of saying that same thing. Even though it was a loss, it was a 19-point loss, uh, some Gator fans are, are not down in the dumps after this game, as we mentioned. It, it was a game going into the fourth quarter, a little while into the fourth quarter. Uh, you had your chances. You had your, you, know, the, you hit the flea flicker on the first play of the game. Uh, maybe some injuries don't happen. It's a different game. We don't. We won't ever know that. Uh, but you know, I think 
the realization kind of, you know, in a different way after the Kentucky game, uh, saying the, you know, the recruiting needs to be better. The roster needs to be better. We've, we, we've seen the, the indictment on Jim McElwain recruiting, not, no, this is not more of a, this is not an indictment on Dan Mullen. It, it's the roster that's he, he was dealt with and, and making the most of most, of, most out of right now. Yeah. I mean, I think if you'd come in, so after the Kentucky game, I think if you'd have told me that we'd be six and two at this point, I'd be like, absolutely. I will take that and stamp it right now. <laughs> um, and I think most Florida fans would be deluding themselves if they said they wouldn't have been the exact same way to, to take six and two coming out of the Georgia game in a game and that Florida looked and favored probably the rest of the season in a game that Florida looked competitive in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, like I picked them to go seven and five. Most people picked them to go eight and four. And I think we would have all said nine and three is overachieving. Well, barring something weird that they're probably going to end up there pretty easily. I mean, the Idaho game should be a definitive win. And then they should, like you said, they should be flavored, favored against Missouri, South Carolina and Florida state. So if they get to nine and three, it's a successful year. Now, um, yeah, recruiting has to improve. And we've been talking about that since May and, and sort of been pointing it out and, you know, pointing out where Florida stands and, and some of the issues they've had bringing in guys from California and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it, it still needs to improve based on where it is right now. I think they're behind maybe 14 teams on a average basis for the 24 seven composite and, you know, a 12 to 15th rank recruiting class probably isn't going to get you to a place where you can beat Georgia unless you have an absolute stud at quarterback. And it's possible that one of these guys will be that at some point, but it's also possible they won't. And I don't know that we necessarily want to rely on that. And it's the same place in the defensive backfield. I mean, if you look at the projected starting DBs this year, they would have averaged 3.8 stars, 222 national ranking and 2.4 years of experience. And you look at the guys who essentially were there after Henderson was left as the starters, they averaged 3.4 stars, 558 was the national ranking, and 2.2 in terms of experience. So the national ranking went down by about 330. The years of experience decreased by by a quarter of a year, and the star rating went down by almost a half a star. So, yeah, there's less talent, but it was also less experience. I mean, they were younger were guys not, who were in their plan. Yeah, there are not a lot of upperclassmen defensive backs in this Florida team right now. No, <laughs> it know, is they, a lot of sophomores. Yeah, they, they may pay dividends next year, but, yeah, you're right. Once What, what, what Florida's playing with right now, there's not a lot of experience out there. And, and it was uh, you could, and it really showed uh, with a with – a, and I, look, I even said going into the game and part of my preview, I wanted to see – Wide receivers versus DBs on both sides, and I, you know, little did I know that deep Georgia receiver core was going to would be going to get so so inexperienced Florida secondary. Yeah, well, I mean, so Georgia had four receivers who coming out of high school ranked in the top thirty three players in the nation. So Isaac Nada was fourteenth. Um, Terry Godwin was 27th. DeAndre Swift was 33rd, and obviously he's a running back, but he catches the ball to the backfield a lot too. And then Mecole Harmon was 12th. So Lose lose your best two corners and tell me who's going to guard those guys. Yeah. I mean, Godwin caught a touchdown pass. Holloman caught a touchdown pass. He's 125th. <laughs> Riley Ridley caught a touchdown pass. He's 248th. Um, Werner, who's the backup tight end, had was 138th <laughs> for his national ranking. So, I mean, you know, the guys that Florida's DBs were being asked to guard are people who are highly, highly skilled. And, you know, that's when the depth is going to get exposed. Again, I, I don't necessarily know that it was strictly just the injuries that, yeah. that, that, that caused some of the issues in the secondary. And, and the reality is it doesn't matter. I mean, right. you, you have to be ready to step up. But what I will say is, is that, you know, everybody who talks about 
coaching or recruiting, coaching or recruiting. I mean, it's both, right? Yeah. Like you have to bring in high level recruits and then you have to coach them. And I'll be honest, I come out of this game confident that if Mullen has the, if Mullen has equivalent talent to Kirby smart, Mullen's going to win the lion's share of those games. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't have equivalent talent, and and it showed. And so Florida, you know, wasn't able to overcome some of those injuries, and and had to get conservative on both sides of the ball due to some of the limitations that they have. Yeah, not to beat the beat the horse, you know, beat the dead horse on stars matter, but most of the time, and we've said it before here, when we say it, it doesn't necessarily mean the starting twenty-two. It's who you fill them in with, and. That's you know that, that's what we got. So, uh, firing season. Gator uh, Gator Cowboy fan says turnovers, turnovers can't get behind double digits versus an elite team because thirteen isn't built to come from behind. You know, like I said, Florida did come back eventually and, and, and take the lead. But like I said, you have w- without their turnovers, maybe Florida could have built uh, built a lead and made Georgia come back from behind. He also says defensive line, defensive back, offensive line still needs to be recruited at a high level. Stephen Ole. Uh, OHL says uh, optimistic. The game plan was working. Coaching was there. The players just didn't execute. Finish the season ten and two. Work on recruiting. We'll be there next year. Uh, Gator Bodine says after reading Will's post game article, I feel differently about the conservative play calling. Why does Mullen put so much on his struggling Franks? Mullen stubborn. Where was Tony? Use all your weapons. Still feel good overall, but Mullen can improve uh, as well. So Will, you said there. Uh, always the case after a loss. I don't blame Mullen. Just don't want, just don't want people to only blame the players. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the that's the long and short of it. Is when you look at it, there are things that Mullen probably could have done better, and I think he'll admit that. Um, maybe in a private moment, and I think there are things the players could have done better, and they'll have to admit that as well. And you know, even even special teams, which has been a, a real strength for Florida. Um, one of the things I pointed out in my article was at the end of the first half, the, the field completely flipped. On a punt, it was a really nice punt by Georgia's kicker. I think it was 57 yards. Mm-hmm. David Reese, one of the starters who's out there on the kick return, was called for a hold. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Florida's got the ball at the 15. Well, you put your team, you know, Georgia punted the ball from the 20. So you kind of expect to get it in like the 35 or 40 range, maybe yeah. worst case. And instead, they're at the 15. And, and so they were more conservative. They didn't get it out. They got it out to about the 35. And then that was when Jones threw the pitch that got knocked down. So they're punting from their own 30. Um, you know, <laughs> Tommy Thompson, or, you know, the Florida's punter was able to get the ball all the way into the end zone for a touchback. But at that point still, you know, because of sort of the conservative play calling, there was a little bit of time for Georgia and they were able to drive it down the field and go up by six going into the half. And, and like I said, I think found something on that drive. So, you know, the special teams yesterday weren't fantastic. The offense was definitely not fantastic and the defense struggled too. And whenever you have that combination, it's going to be tough to win. All right. Last few thoughts here from, uh, from you out there. Uh, the goal line stand showed me everything I need to know about this team. Still so much left to achieve this year. Ten wins would be amazing. Give Dan Mullen a couple recruiting cycles, and we'll be whipping Georgia in no time. So, yeah, that goal line stand was, you know, still still saw the fight there uh, from the team and uh, still kept a minute to, to hold Georgia to a field goal there. Ken Tillery says, absolutely hoping and believing for a win, but still impressed with where we are. Considering at the beginning of this season, we were expected to repeat the beating we took from Georgia last year. Mullen has us way ahead of schedule. Uh, here we go, Will. From a hashtag couch tweeter perspective, the team hung tough with more talented Georgia team for three quarters. At 23-17, the game was there to be had. Props to Georgia for taking control. Disappointed, yes. Upset, no. 
Swamp should be packed next week. Go Gators. And that, well, that's part of it too. Like I said, uh, when it, when it came down to it, you know, later in the game, Georgia made the plays and, and Florida couldn't, uh, mostly behind the arm of, uh, of from there. Uh, Willie also said his last, last sentence, Swamp should be packed next week. Hey, you'll be at the Missouri game next week. Yes, sir. I am excited that it's a 4 p.m. game so that yeah. I can actually like tailgate or do something before the game as opposed to having to go to a nooner. But, uh, no, it's going to be fun. You know, I, I was, when we were trying to figure out what game to go to, this wasn't one that we thought was going to be real telling on the schedule, but I'll be honest, I, I'm really curious to see how Florida comes out and whether they come out a little bit listless after this because, um, you know, because they're disappointed from the performance or whether they come out angry and, and sort of put it on Missouri. So, um, you know, hopefully it'll be the latter. And, and certainly if anybody's there and wants to, wants to, wants to chat, let me know. And I'd, I'd be glad to come by and, and, and talk about the Gators because that's always fun to do. Absolutely. I'll be there too. So you can, uh, everybody can hang out with uh, Will and I, we can uh, talk some Gator football and hang out uh, in a, in a different atmosphere than here on YouTube and, <laughs> and, and all, and all these, uh, cyber places here. So, <laughs> uh, here we go. Stop locking the swamp. Stop lock in the swamp says this team holding strong, even with not clicking on all cylinders. Mullen showing Justin Fields what he's missing out on. Georgia fans were worried the three fourths of the way through the game. Not what I wanted this game, but definitely more than I expected this year with a chance to still win out. And Gator Bait 03 says disappointed, but I feel we did if we didn't turn it over and hit the wide open guy to start the game, we win. With that being said, I think we would have finished with a similar record whether win yesterday or not. Now we don't have to worry about playing Bama and still be 10-2. and two. <laughs> And last one, Chris Whelan says, uh, obviously disappointed losing to a rival, but the score didn't show how close the game was. Florida's way ahead of schedule in the Mullen era rebuild, and with a 10 and with ten and 2, a real possibility, it's hard to complain. And like I said, Will, yeah, m- most fans, uh, uh, yeah, losing to Georgia sucks. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> There's uh, no solace in, in losing to Georgia. Uh, but you know, playing a top ten team, a ten that's a team that's probably going to be around top five as well. Um, seeing how it all played out, it was not a blowout. Florida was in the game for m- most of the time. Uh, there, there, there is a lot to take away positively from this game as well as it, when you look at it as a whole. Yeah, I don't know, man. There's no moral victories in the yeah, SEC. That's right. You, you either win the East or you don't. You either win the SEC or you don't. And that's one of the reasons Jim McElwain's gone is because he was able to win the East those two years, but he clearly didn't have a team that could compete for a championship. And and his recruiting was part of that. And that's why that's why he got jettisoned along with sort of the weird death threats and the shark memes and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, the same thing will happen to Mullen if, if he's not able to win some of these games. Now he's proven an ability to win games at Mississippi state that maybe Mississippi state shouldn't have won. And I think, um, you know, the game plan yesterday, particularly in the first half gives me, um, gives me hope that he's going to be able to do that in the future. But this was also the, you know, one thing I do think we need to take into account is this was the year to get Georgia with, with, uh, with all the, the two running backs that they, with Chubb and 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 Michelle and and all those guys that they lost and and Fromm coming in struggling and the way he played in the first quarter and three quarters of the second quarter, I mean this was an opportunity for them to get him and they, and they didn't they let him off the hook and you know I hope I don't I don't think this is going to be the case but I hope that that isn't something that reverberates you know two three four years from now where you know they had an opportunity to get him it could have changed some of the momentum in recruiting could have could have taken Florida you know I think. Bill tweeted before the game that if Florida won that game, it, it wasn't just going to be that they were competing for the East or that they were competing for even in the national picture, but that, you know, Florida was back 
And, you know, that narrative isn't there today because of, because of the end result. Again, I'm not disappointed that the team lost. I'm just looking at it objectively and saying, you know, Georgia's linebackers were struggling, not because they were not talented. They were struggling because they were young. And we saw this in 2007 with Florida's defense after the 2006 team, a bunch of those guys left. And then 2007, those guys couldn't stop anybody. And then 2008, they stopped everybody. And and one of my concerns is that with the amount of talent that's coming into Georgia, they'll be able to do that. Now, you know, Kirby has not necessarily impressed me with some of his in-game coaching. We'll see what his development skills are now that he's bringing his own players in. Maybe he uh, maybe he's not real good at that, and, and Mullen will be better at it better at it than him. And and all of a sudden, Florida will be equivalent in a year or two, and we'll we'll forget that this conversation ever mm-hmm. happened. But you know, this was the year to get Georgia, and so it's a little bit disappointing coming out in that sense. But uh, you know, like I said, if you'd have told me after the Kentucky game that Florida would be six and two after this game, it would have been competitive through three quarters with Georgia. Georgia, I, I would have definitely taken it then. All right, well, let's take a look around the SEC right quick before we uh, get off here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Vanderbilt beats Arkansas 45-31. Uh, not much to look at there, of course. Georgia 36-17 over Florida. And one of the weirder comebacks, Will, you will see, Kentucky comes back, storms back, scores 12 points in the fourth quarter, and wins the game at the buzzer to beat Missouri 15-14 to and sets up a winner-take-all uh, for the SEC East with Kentucky and Georgia next weekend. I gotta be honest, man. With 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 Trump as president, if Kentucky wins the SEC East, I'm I'm like building a bunker somewhere. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> if you'd have told me Kentucky was going to win the East and Trump would be president ten years ago, I, I wouldn't have believed you. And, and, uh, <laughs> so, um, so I mean, I'm going to be rooting for Kentucky because I'm just anti Georgia all the time. But I am worried that an asteroid is heading for us if if Kentucky wins that game. Yeah, as ugly as it has looked the last couple of weeks. <laughs> found a way to win uh we'll see if they can do it again when georgia travels to lexington uh and the winner wins the sec east there uh mississippi state nick fitzgerald as i said 241 yards passing after all the questions of him and also led the team with 88 yards uh, rushing uh good for him uh to, to respond the way he did and, and mississippi state gets a 28 to 13 victory over number 16 texas a&m and will Will Muschamp is still undefeated against Tennessee. 27-24, South Carolina uh, beats Tennessee as uh, South Carolina scored 18 in the second half while Tennessee only scored 10. It looked like, ten, uh, looked like Tennessee was on their, way, on their way of winning this game, but they got shut out in the fourth quarter, and South Carolina scored 18 points in the second half to come away with the victory. And Will Muschamp just knows how to beat Tennessee. Well, he couldn't beat anybody else when he was at Florida. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, you know, he's always been a really good recruiter. I think if you're happy with eight and four, then he's probably your guy. I, I look forward to seeing the types of things that Mullen's going to be able to do to, do to exploit, the, exploit the Gamecocks. Yep, and uh, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't say um, Clemson put it on FSU. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to bring that up. I was going to, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank goodness that game was at noon because then we got to torture the fans before our game came right, up. Exactly. <laughs> 59 uh, to 10 Clemson. Woo, I, I, I got to be honest. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Like the, the first quarter was just sort of Clemson feeling out Florida State. And man, once they figured out they had them, it was just you know, bomb after points. bomb after bomb. Man, so. 28 points in the second quarter for Clemson. 
Oh man. Well, uh, you know, the, the Clemson fans are not missing Kelly Bryant right now. That, that is for sure. Yeah. And the ACC is really terrible. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, the Walmart in Tallahassee is not selling out of backpacks. <laughs> put, 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 put it that way. They are, they are none too pleased with their coach up there and none too pleased with the record. And he, he went on, he went in after the game and said some of his players had quit. And that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty aggressive accusation to be making in your first year. What eight games in to be calling out your players for quitting. So uh, I, I don't know. Again, I, I'm disappointed in the Georgia loss, but, at least that's not us. Yeah, at least that is not us. Exactly. So, uh, Will, I'm going to have uh, Will Blackman on, I think, Nick, tomorrow. He's going to join me. And, uh, you know, we had him on during the Tennessee Tennessee week. So, Will's going to join me. And uh, he writes for Saturday Down South. So, he'll come in and uh, share his thoughts. Thomas Goldcamp is going to try and come on. Uh, he'll have media duties uh, uh, with, with the team and, and their practice tomorrow night. So we'll, we'll send the link to him. And if he can join in, he's going to join in as well to, to get his thoughts from uh, Florida, Georgia and moving ahead to Missouri. No, that'll be great. I look forward to hearing what those guys say. And, you know, Thomas obviously is pretty close to the team. So sort of hearing his temperature of, of what's going on will, will be really interesting, particularly, you know, I know the fans are, are clamoring for a backup quarterback, but it'll be interesting to hear the the perspective from the team because I'm I'm guessing that um, nothing much is going to change there. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting to hear. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely hit more of the whole Frank's uh, Emory Jones. I don't think you know, there's no controversy <laughs> to me, but you know, we'll see if you know if Emory deserves more snaps and, uh, and and see where it goes from there. I'll get those guys' thoughts on uh, what needs to happen. Uh, and, and so far this season and bouncing back uh, after Georgia. Will, anything else, man? No, man, I, I guess I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where um, it's disappointing, but it's not, it's not backbreaking really in terms of what we thought the year would be. And, you know, I'm still proud of the team and the way they played. That goal line stand was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that was one of those moments where, we're just, you were really proud of the team and the way they held up and, you know, Mullen coming out on the field and acting like a maniac <laughs> to get the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and setting them right back up to where they were and wondering, you know, Kirby took the field goal to go, to go up by nine. And you're just like, Oh, please let that cost them, please. Yeah, Cause yeah. it's so damn conservative. It's such an idiotic play, but uh, yeah. Hey, sometimes you fall, sometimes you fall short. Um, I think this was one before the season that we all thought probably was going to be one where Florida fell short. It happened, but uh, you know, again, like I said, six and two after eight that we would have taken that to start the year. Um, and certainly the capacity to finish it off 10 and two, um, you know, hopefully Florida will be able to finish that out and uh, you know, it'd be a really impressive season if they do. Absolutely. still been fun. It's still been fun. Most of the, you know, most of the day was fun yesterday. Tailgate and scene was, you know, a 10 uh, as always as, as Florida Georgia is. So uh, yeah, you mentioned the late arriving, late arriving crowd there on the Florida side. And that's kind of been a tradition for Florida Georgia as the Georgia side always fills in first. Uh, but I did get a lot of complaints uh, from the Florida side that uh, it, some fans waited in line for an hour to get through metal detectors and, and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, you got to figure that stuff out, but of course safety first, but uh, sometimes the uh, Georgia fans didn't really have a problem getting their side filled in pretty quick. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, there there was apparently an incident after the game down, down yeah, in Jacksonville. Yeah, there was. So, Some guy, know, like a, somebody shot themselves and, and passed oof. away. So, uh, yeah, so scary thing is uh, we had a shooting here in Jacksonville uh, close to the stadium with the Jaguar game going on, and, and then after the game, uh, Florida, Georgia as well. So, uh, 
Yeah, not, not not something you wouldn't be talking about on, on uh, you know at all. But of course, you know, on game day when so many people uh, were in that were in that concentrated area. Yeah, well, and certainly after the esports incident that happened a couple of months ago and all that sort of stuff, I'm sure there was increased yeah. security. And they did actually make a point of putting of of mentioning it on the broadcast that the Florida side had had some issues with security getting in. So yeah. um, <laughs> they they at least they at least uh, made sure that uh, Dan Wolken would take a shot at the fan base. <laughs> and legit flying overhead right now but yeah the blue angels were cool yesterday uh flying over so that, that was cool to see uh you know getting to see the blue angels to do the flyover for the game yeah they had the blimp up above it for the telecast that oh, was kind of cool. cool to see him going over the yeah. stadium from above but uh you know hey it, this game is so much fun it's so much fun to watch i like the 50 i love the 50 50 in the stadium and all that sort of stuff i know there's been some discussion about home and home and all that sort of stuff and certainly i know you don't want it to move because you just get to wake up and drive downtown right yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, i woke up at 6 30 was parking at 7 45 oh man <laughs> that'd be nice i gotta climb i gotta get on a plane just to get there next week but, uh, it'll be fun it's 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 there's Anytime I feel bad about a loss or anything like that, I just need to go back and listen to one of our episodes from last year after Texas A&M or LSU or Georgia or Missouri, and I'm immediately in a good mood because it's like the Bullen era is so much better than anything we experienced last year, and uh, you know I look forward to see what he's going to do the rest of the year. All right, well that's for sure. So uh, we, yeah, won't get this uh, be your uh, only episode this week. So. Uh, uh, we'll get to talk to you uh, in per- next time I talk to you. It will be in person uh, when we see you here. Uh, may get to see you Thursday in Jacksonville, if not, uh, definitely on game day uh, Saturday morning in the in the swamp. Hey man, looking forward to it. All right, that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC and his site readandreaction.com. You can go back and read his thoughts and his breakdown of the Florida Georgia game. And I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.